following message is the word of God for you from the annual conference of the household of David Church, themed Great Grace. Be blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the name of your Son, Jesus, that is glorified in this place. Thank you for the presence of your spirit and thank you for the gathering of your people unto the glorious name of your son Jesus. I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will grant utterance that your word will go forth unhindered in simplicity but in accuracy and power that our hearts all will be established in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 It's good to be here once again and... Um, I'd like to thank your pastors for inviting me for this meeting. It's always an honor, all right, to share God's word. I'm sure you know I like your pastor. So I'm sure so. It's not more than, all right. I know I, I like your pastor, and my wife likes him. And when your wife likes a minister, you should know that uh, women are intuitive. And, um, um, well, let me not talk. <laughs> all right, then. Okay, uh, today I want to share on something that I feel is fundamental, very fundamental to our work with God in um, uh, this present time. And um, let me just start out, I'll use these thoughts to start out. Let's go to Matthew and chapter 17 and verse 20. I'll start with that. Matthew chapter 17 and or we'll start reading from verse 17 now these were the disciples of Jesus and what had happened was that they had tried to cast out a devil from a young boy and they could not cure him in verse 16 the father of the boy said I brought them to your disciples and they could not cure him then the Bible says in verse 17, Then Jesus answered and said, O ye faithless and perverse generation, strong words, how long shall I be with you? In other words, I will soon be going, and if you don't understand this when I'm gone, how then are you going to be able to function? How long shall I suffer you or put up with you? Bring him hither unto me. And the Bible says, And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples of Jesus apart, and said, and this is important, they always did this, and this is where the deeper discussion went on. They came apart and said, Why could we, or could not we, cast him out? And this is very good in our faith walk or our work with God. You try something that you are persuaded about, and it doesn't work. It's a moment, a teachable moment, where God will open your eyes, so see something that you haven't yet seen 
concerning that particular principle or that particular doctrine. In other words, you can be taught from the pulpit about something and you have a deep conviction in your heart that what you have been taught is true. And then you get up and practice it and you meet, miss it in just one small place. And so the thing doesn't work. And that is the time you need uh, all right, to take that conviction that you have to God and ask Him that why could we or could not we get this particular thing done? Now when you do that, you now fulfill what is written that unto them that are without, these things are done in parables. But to you that are within, and the Holy Spirit will begin to minister to you on a much deeper level, and discipleship will start. I mean, I don't want us to turn here, but I just read a scripture that Job said, and this was what all right, God was trying to get across to Job all the while. And he said unto, and Job said this, right, when, uh, all right, he, he, uh, he went into a conversation with God in Job 42 verse 1, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou can do everything, and no thoughts be withheld from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have uttered that I understood not, things that were too wonderful for me, all right, I knew not. Here I beseech thee, I will speak, I will demand of thee, and thou wilt declare unto me. Then Job said something powerful. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the air, but now he went into another level, with mine eye seeth thee. And all Elihu was telling him that, listen, instead of you thinking that God should fashion the whole world according to your own mind, according to your own imagination, he said, what you should have prayed at that moment is that which I seest not, teach thou me, if I have offended, I will offend no more. And once we practice something and we get, quote unquote, a negative feedback, when we thought, all right, that we knew what we were doing, that is the moment to ask God, where did I miss it? And the most powerful lessons you will glean from Jesus Christ, from the Holy Ghost, will come in moments like this. So the crux of what the disciples knew was about, after he had taught in public, they went in private, and then they asked concerning those things. And you come against something. You pray about something and you felt it should work. And it didn't. Right? Instead of getting offended, go to him and ask. And what you will learn at that time will stay with you for the rest of your life. And you will, alright, learn something powerful that will be useful unto you and will cause you to get great results within your life there. And that's where the Holy Ghost starts teaching us. And the Holy Ghost begins, alright, to educate us. And tell us specific things. So Jesus went on in verse 20 and said something. He said unto them, because of your unbelief. Now, so they asked Jesus, why could we not cast out this devil? And Jesus said, now hear what Jesus said. He said, it's because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you. Now hear what he said. 
If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain. So he pointed to something much bigger than the case of the boy a mountain. He said, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove. And then he went on and said, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say and speak like this, And nothing shall be impossible unto you. So he introduced them to something that he said, From now on you practice it, you understand what I've just said, that corrected what, you know, operated with you folks. And we've got to understand that he must have been saying something real deep here. Because they had tried to cast the devil out and spoke on it and it didn't work. So he said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say, and he said, nothing shall be impossible unto thee. And then he went on and said, how be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and by fasting. Now, remember when they asked Jesus, why could we not cast out the devil? Jesus did not say... He didn't start by saying, because you did not pray and fast. He started out by saying, because of your unbelief. And then he went on and said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. And then he said, listen, when you are praying like this, we'll get to this. There are certain dimensions of this operation, alright, that will require that you indeed enter into some time of prayer. And we're going to say this here, how what we're saying here, in order to get this done. Now, so quickly what I want to start out from, first thing here is that Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, that is, he was talking in two, he was, he was, he was describing this in, in two ways. He first said, if you have faith as a grain of, all right, of mustard seed, you shall say. So he was delivering them, first of all, from something. Now, what was he delivering them from? He was trying to tell them that, you know, because many people will feel that, why can I not get this massive thing done? You call somebody and tell the person, you know, why do you think, or let's say, you know, like Pastor, anybody can get something done, and you look at yourself and say, well, I cannot. Or you'll say, well, because he has so much faith, more than me, that is why he is able to do the impossible, and I am struggling with it. Now, Jesus said, let me deliver you from that mindset. That is, people that are doing impossible things start out with a kind of faith that when you look at the size of the faith, it is as small as a grain of mustard seed as it relates to that thing. Let me repeat. Because if you don't understand this, then you will look at yourself as a second class Christian all the days of your life. That is, anybody who does any massive thing starts out the faith and the measure, or let's say the size of faith, alright, that is required because most of us, and I heard, I won't mention his name because uh, he went, later on went, went on to error in the healing, voice of healing movement, but it was one of the powerful voices, alright, that did a lot of powerful things. But he said, the problem with Christians when you be praying for the sake is that they spend their time trying to believe instead of acting out what they know. 
In other words, many people are seated in their rooms trying to increase that faith. And they are trying to bring themselves. And Jesus said, if you have faith, alright, the size of a grain of mustard seed. So if I ask every person here, you know, do you have enough faith? They might say, well, if I say, well, but do you have faith as, as small as a mustard seed? They'll say, yes, I have it. Now, if you say yes, you have it, then you can do the impossible. If I ask you, are you a faithless human being? You say no. Alright, do you have faith even as small as a grain of mustard seed? You will acknowledge and say, yes, I have that. So he says, that is all that is required for you to get the impossible done. However, the second thing that you must understand about this faith as a grain of mustard seed is that it is very small, but it is a seed. And if that faith is not planted, it won't work. In other words, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 and verse 30, look at what he said. He said, Mark 4, 30, he said, So is the kingdom of God, or with what comparison? He said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? In other words, I could say, how can we liken the faith of God? Or with what comparison can we compare it? What can I use to compare it on the earth? And then he went on. He said, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth, but when it is sown... So it can't grow outside being sown. When it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Now God told me to tell people this so that some people are completely delivered. In other words, anybody who starts doing impossible things, when they started, their head told them it will not work. Don't think they were fully persuaded about it. Are you following what I'm saying here? But what they did was to plant that faith. And the minute they planted that faith, that faith took over their lives rather than them driving the faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible tells us, it's a great, great conference, it tells us, alright, we are saved by grace through faith, and that faith is not of your own self, it's a gift of God. So what it tells us, I don't want to get into that because I'm going somewhere today. Alright, it is that grace that produces that faith. So it tells us this, when it is sown, it becometh, shooted out its branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. So it tells us this. Now if you go to verse 26, it says, the kingdom of God is as if a man shall do what? Cast seed into the ground. So, well, look at this. So, the faith, you must understand, and this one should say, has got to be what? Planted. And then, when you plant that faith, so you look at yourself as a farmer. In other words, in order to get the impossible things done, now take yourself and look at yourself as a farmer. In other words, I'm going to get massive things done. 
But there is what is called seed time. And there is what is called harvest time. So the farmer wakes up at the beginning of the year. And tells you this year is going to be the best year in terms of me having great harvest. The only reason why he is saying that is because of the quality of the seeds that he is sowing. So 2018 will be better than 2017, not by luck, but by reason of the seeds that you are doing what? Sowing. In other words, the farmer tells you, listen, I know it is not going to happen tomorrow. I know it's not going to happen next week, but there is going to come harvest time. And when harvest time comes, you are going to be seeing impossible things happening in my life, left, right, and center. And you are going to ask, where did all this come from? Alright, because there were times of silence, weeks of silence there, weeks, months of silence when nobody was seeing anything. But what I was doing like a farmer was that I was deliberately cultivating the soil and the seed that I planted and it was coming out. And, alright, we'll say this, powerful things. So we've got to acknowledge that what Jesus was saying here is that faith is not magical, it's supernatural. Do you understand what I'm saying here? And what he was trying to tell them deeper in here, is that most people feel that faith is something we use, like an emergency button when we run into trouble. So they're trying to get for magic here. Now, I thought deeply about this, and God told me. He said, there is nothing my people believe me for. That months before, they don't have, or years before, they don't know that one day they will have need of those things. Nothing. People will tell you that, you know, I'm believing God for rent. They knew a long time ago that they would need to pay rent. So he said they should have planted the seed of that thing a long time ago. So by the time the rent was needed, it would be harvest time. Are you following what I'm saying Dr. Kabbalah told me, he said, listen, he said, all our robots and Kenneth Copeland, Brother Copeland told them, don't make the mistake we made. Everybody here will grow old. The natural cycle of life is that when you start getting old, you start getting weaker, your cells start dying out. They said, listen, we started believing God for our health when it started deteriorating by old age. He said, plant the seeds of your health, alright, 20 years before that time. So when you start getting old, it coincides with harvest time and it doesn't show up. We can't just operate, alright, as faith people having emotional outbursts. We must be strategic about this thing. Joseph was strategic. 14 year plan. I mean, there are scriptures you can say now. You can plant those seeds today. That you will be fat and flourishing till your old age. To show that the Lord is upright. In other words, if you decay your old age, it's a bad testimony for God. And that there is no unrighteousness in him. It tells us about Moses that they did, he didn't get weaker. His, 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 his strength there did not abate. It talks about the fact that even his eyes, he was seen as well as a child. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, who the Bible tells you, right, will quicken your mortal body. Are you saying it? Now, the issue is, you know those things, have you planted them into the earth? For Jesus said, this is how you sow the seeds of faith. I will get, who's the guy there? He said, it's by saying. 
That, so what that man understands is that I want this mountain to move. He therefore plants the seed, alright, for that mountain to move by saying that. He understands he has planted it into the earth. And he's certain as he stays with that seed and cultivates that seed that one day it will be clear to you people this mountain will be gone. Now, let me just say something else, and I learned this from Dr. Dodd. All right, let me just say this here. And it bothered me for years as a Christian. Every time Jesus reprimanded people who tried to operate in faith, he would always tell them, O ye of what? Little faith. He would tell them, O ye of what? Little faith. So, why will he tell people, O ye of little faith? Right? When Peter began to walk on water, Bible says after some time he saw the wind was boisterous and he now became fearful and began to sink. And Jesus said, O ye of little faith. Right? So, I've always been wondering. And when you are going to recommend the type of faith to get impossible things done, you said his faith as a grain of mustard seed. When you are going to reprimand people for the wrong type of faith, you said, O ye of what? Little faith. Jesus, which one is right? Didn't you just say that if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, which is the smallest, why then are you reprimanding on the other side, saying that somebody else had little faith? Then I saw this from him and he said, little faith is, when he talks about little, he's not talking about the size, he's talking about the length of time. In other words, little faith is an outburst of faith that doesn't last. Which means the person who is operating in it is not operating like a farmer who has a long-term vision for his faith project. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going somewhere. Because most of what we do in Christianity is little faith. We jump in church and this is what's going on. We scream, we shout. All right, we have an outburst, emotional outburst. We leave the church building, right? By Thursday, all right, the rubber has hit the road, right? The wind is boisterous. We have looked at the wind for so long that by Friday we are down waiting for Sunday for another injection. And if you keep getting those booze, then you get addicted to that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we can get people addicted to church by giving them booze every Sunday. Because it's like a drug. You are high Monday by... Look at the next service. When the next service? And then you get up again. But when you operate as a farm, I'll show this. Then you understand what the Bible says. You cannot be slothful, but through faith and patience you inherit the promise. And the Bible uses patience to describe the work of a farmer. How do we know? James chapter 5 and verse 7. In other words, the man understands that I plant a seed. I want to show this here. Be patient therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold the husband man. The husband man is a farmer. Waited for the precious fruit of the earth. Hath long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Now that word long patience there, don't I throw it off balance. It means the capacity to endure what is difficult or disagreeable without complaining, getting angry or upset at anyone. So during the process there, and then he goes on and tells us in verse 8, Be patient and establish for your heart for the coming of the Lord right now. And then he goes on, grudge not against another brethren. Which means, during that period, what can destroy and poison your seed in the ground is when you walk out of love and get into strife. 
So I guarantee you, you want to do something impossible, somebody's going to step into your space to trip you off. Because poison gets right into. It says, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth by the door. So you have got to operate in love here. Alright? So the first thing I want to establish is this. This faith, alright, operates as a seed. Now, you have this faith inside you. Hear me very well. Because I ask anybody here, do you have this faith as a grain of mustard seed? You have that faith. If you don't have it, you are not a Christian. For Romans chapter 12 tells us that God, to, it, said, it says this, I say this to every man who is among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to every man, it's not every man in the world, but every man who is among you, the measure of faith. Remember in Hebrews 4.2, the problem wasn't a faith problem. The Bible says, the word that they heard, the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that did what? Had it. In other words, faith was in them, but they didn't mix what they had with that faith. Now, here is the scripture that has thrown us off balance in the church world on faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says, So then faith cometh by hearing. Now, if you see anything in italics in the Bible, King James, it means it was inserted there, you are at liberty to remove it. So it's in bracket there, which means you can take that out. And we have built our entire doctrine on that word cometh. And it wasn't inside the original manuscript. So, the word comment gives the impression the faith is on the outside entering us. Faith, so then faith by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's right about there. What he's saying there, if we put the word comment back and check it in the Greek, what he says is that faith in you comes alive. In other words, by hearing, alright, that faith that is dormant comes alive. Are you following what I'm saying here? What, how do we know what we're saying is correct? James tells us, friends, it says this, brethren, do you not know that faith without works is dead, being alone? In other words, the faith is there, but it is what? Dead. And when it says dead, it means dormant. It's not saying the faith is not there. It means dormant. It's the same thing Jesus said. He said, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. In other words, the faith is there, but it's ineffective. So he used also a, a, a wheat there, which means a grain. In other words, it tells us that faith comes, alright, by hearing we get into this. So it comes alive when you hear something. And then it says, when it comes alive in you, plant that faith into the earth. Alright, start. Like the woman with the issue of blood started saying, if I will just touch the helm of his garment, I shall be made whole. So the starting point, that's what I want to start with. When we want to operate in the power of God, is this. The power of God will not come into operation in any situation in anybody's life until you start speaking out the revealed will of God. Hear what I'm saying? When they came to Jesus, they said, why could we not cast him out? 
Jesus did not say, it's because you guys didn't pray and fast. He said, it's because you didn't operate with your faith here as a grain of mustard seed. In other words, you did not say, listen, he said, if you have that faith, you will say to this mountain. So you start the process by saying something. Until the word is spoken, power doesn't come into operation. Let me read something from an old book on the Pentecostal movement, the history of it here. Now what had happened was that Christians, they said, had always sought to access supernatural power, which means in their daily lives. Every single Christian wants to have supernatural power in his daily life. Everybody. Everybody wants to see the power of God in their daily lives. Right? And the chief way they tried was through prayer. In other words, the chief way Christians now went about trying to get the power of God into their daily lives was by, first of all, praying. Requests from a helpless humans to an omnipotent God who had the pleas and might, and this was the experience, that they, when they prayed, they felt he might or might not answer them as desired by the petitioners. In other words, they were praying, but because of the way they were getting results, they said, they came up with this thought that when we pray as a helpless person to an omnipotent God, he might or he may not answer us. Now, this is erroneous because the Bible tells us this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if he hears us, we have those things that we desire of him. Number two, it also tells us, alright, apart from that, alright, it tells us this. It says that in, in Mark eleven twenty three or in Mark 11, 24, it says, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. John 15 tells us, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bring forth much fruit. So certainty was associated with prayer in the scriptures. But in the experiences of the people, they went there and it was like God might or may not answer this. This formula required that the prayers or that the people praying to acknowledge their own weak position and rely on the one with unlimited bounties. Finding this method ineffective. I'm telling you how the word of faith started. Finding this method ineffective. Two passes. Christians, therefore, were now trying to compel the supernatural to produce results. Now, if you look at every scripture I just quoted about prayer, let's go back. You will find out that the spoken word precedes prayer. In other words, to release power, the first thing you've got to do is to speak the word of God. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That is, you are speaking my words out of your lips. He said, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Mark eleven twenty four says this, If you stand praying, believe you have received. Why can you be in that position? Because of Mark eleven twenty three. He said, 
I, whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he is saying will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he say. So he goes into prayer, haven't been saying certain things. Are you following what I'm saying? So, they came to the conclusion that the most enduring future is the spoken word. That the spoken word above every other thing became the source of God's power in human flesh. In other words, if anybody was going to manifest power, if anybody was going to get the impossible done, the first thing that they understood was that they had to speak the word of God. Which means that what most people do at first is that they go and they start praying, God, I'm asking you, can you get this thing done for me? And they start praying. Now when you do that, it's left to a game of chance. But when you start by speaking the known will of God into that situation. Now, what does it mean by speaking the word of God? It is not speaking what you think should happen. Here again what we're saying here. It's not that a person, you lose your job, and then you say, well, I think I should get a job in Shell. Then I frame my own words, and then I start saying it. Listen, if the Bible says the Holy Ghost, who is part of the Godhead, shall say nothing of himself, but that which he heareth, that is what he speaks. How can you speak without hearing first? Now, I want to show you something here. Are you following saying it? If Jesus said, I say nothing of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me doeth the works. As he has taught me, so speak I. This is the commandment I have received. What I should say and what I should speak. And I know the commandment is life eternal. In other words, Jesus said, if I say what hasn't been told me, I have walked in disobedience to God. So I am in a final situation. Someone said, I lost my job. The first thing he does is that, well, I choose what? This is the first place where we, this is where we get, people get our faith. I choose what, all right, I want to say about this. And then you start talking. No. James tells us, this is what he tells us. It says, first of all, Second Peter tells us this. That it says, and it tells us about the nature of the word of God. It says, it is a more sure word of prophecy. You will do well to take it as a light that shines in a dark place. Then he goes on and says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. That no word is uttered according to the will of man, but it's as they were moved by the Spirit. So in order to get the light of God, you must understand that your will is the hindrance to revelation. That's why you can't get into faith, or I don't say, well, faith, you can't get into faith without starting with a consecrated life. In other words, I separate myself unto God and I look at him and say, God, it is not my will, but your will be done in this situation. I know your will for me is good, your will for me is acceptable, and your will for me is perfect. Do you get what I'm saying? And so I go to him and say, listen, it is not, alright, the projection of my mind. It is it's not, it's not the goal I set. It is the place God reveals. You understand it? In fact, when I came to Balaam, he said, I cannot, he said, listen, if you give me a house full of gold and silver, I cannot go beyond what God has said to say any other thing. He said to do that is to practice divination. 
Now God showed me to that James taught this. Alright, husband story. He said, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Comes from the Father of light. The main Father of light means the Father who gives it in the form of light. So he says, when you are in a time of test, that there is a good and a perfect gift that is from above. So somebody loses their job, he says, go and rejoice. Because there is a good and perfect gift for that situation. But that gift is going to be given to you from heaven first in the form of revelation. He says, and when God gives you that light, know this. There will be no variation in his mood concerning what he has told you. And you will never see the shadow of him as a result of turning away from what he said. He said, I will not alter what has gone out of my mouth. That is the basis of our faith. Alright, Paul said, well, I want to choose who I want to marry. Don't forget, marriage was not man's idea. It was God that said it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not your idea. You get what I'm saying? These things that people are erring on, it wasn't your idea. To, to have healing in your body wasn't your own idea. It was the idea, man will have adjusted to sickness. It's God that came out and said, it is my will that you get healed. Are you following what I'm saying here? So he says his will for the situation is good. You will find it acceptable and you will find it that that's the only thing that can make you complete in life. So starting point, you go to him in prayer, right? And the prayer here is that God ministers seed to the sower. So what is the seed, your word, you want me to plant in this situation here? That there is going to spring forth and get something impossible and massive things done in my life. That's the starting point. So I want to get that seed. So my faith comes alive when I hear what God has to say concerning that situation. What is dormant on the inside of me is awakened. Which means I am now full, right? It's like you are quickened when the word of God is revealed unto you. Listen, remember what Paul said. He said the kingdom of God consists of three things. He said it consists of righteousness. It consists of peace. And it consists of joy in the Holy Ghost. These are the three things. He said it's not in meat and drink, but it's in power. What did he mean by righteousness? Now we're in a season of reformation. Alright, and reformation simply means we're at liberty now. You cannot say that because one definition has been given to a word, that is how we will define it for the rest of our life. Particularly, and people are afraid, particularly if that definition, there are other scriptures that contradict that definition. Now, what has happened is that one person said righteousness means the ability to stand before God and it meant that in some cases, but not in every case it was cited in the Bible. So, once we will see this, when the Bible says, he that doeth righteousness, alright, it's talking about something that you don't, you follow what I'm saying here? Now, what happens is that everybody says straight jacket, you don't want to go beyond that, and we say that, and we see scriptures that, are you following what I'm saying here? So, that's not the only way. In some cases, righteousness is defined as justice. Which means you are dealing with equity and fairness with people. Now, when he says the kingdom of God is in righteousness, remember that Paul said, the gospel is the power of God on salvation, for there is the righteousness revealed. Now, what is righteousness? He now went on and said, that they being ignorant of God's righteousness have gone about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. 
For Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Then he says, the righteousness of the law, a man that doeth this thing shall live by them. But the righteousness that is of faith, which is the starting point of the kingdom, it says this, speak it on this wise, say not in your heart who shall ascend. But what does this righteousness say? The word is nigh thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart. He said, this is the word of faith that we preach. That means the beginning of the kingdom of God is a man that has the word on his lips. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the starting point. And then he says, it starts out. So the kingdom of God that is in oppression in a man that rules over all, the starting point of that kingdom is that that man is speaking forth God's word out of his lips. He is saying the word of God. Then the next thing is that this man walks in peace. Concerning that. And what does that mean? It's talking about his mind. That in perfect peace shall I keep him whose mind is stayed on thee. It says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It says that do not talk about the fact that come to God with your supplication and prayers. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your heart. So then he goes on and says, therefore whatever things are pure, think on these things. He's talking about your mind. Which means, and we get into this. Alright, you start by speaking the word. You want to see the power of God in his operation. Then get to a place where you make sure you are not disturbed about that thing. Alright, you don't go into anxiety. You don't go into worry. Because your mind is stayed on the scriptures that he has shown you. And then he said, the last part is you rejoice with joy unspeakable. Full of glory about the outcome. He said, power will always manifest. So what's the starting point there? It says you start by saying what God has said concerning the situation. A woman once, they were about to amputate her leg. And that's why when you say you go to God and faith comes by Rema, alright, nobody can preach that Rema to you. Let me tell you when you have interacted with God. The reason why a lot of people say I tried confession and they work is that they are saying what the preacher said. I've told you that the conversation starts after you go and meet Jesus apart. Yes, because the scripture says, faith cometh by hearing. But if faith comes alive by hearing, then in Hebrews chapter two, verse, uh, 4 verse 2, it tells us the word preached did not profit them, for it was not mixed in faith in them that heard it. But they heard it now. Yeah. Why didn't faith come alive when they heard it? It means that what he was saying in Romans 10 is different from what he was saying in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, once have I spoken, twice have we heard. There are two levels in hearing. Which means the first hearing you can hear with your outer ear and mentally comprehend it. But the second time you hear it, it means the Holy Ghost reveals something to you. So when the preacher preaches, he tells you, all right, and preaches healing to you. You've heard that. But you have a specific condition in your body. And then you go to God. And let me tell you, when God reveals to you the scriptures concerning healing, he might not use any of the scriptures the preacher preached. By the time you tell the preacher, I've seen this, that this is the scripture God gave me, the preacher is looking at it, his own light to brighten up. Now God, I've not seen this before. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, you've moved into that second gear of hearing now. I mean, there's a woman that was about to amputate her leg. She went to God and said, God, you've got to get me out of this. Now, she knew the scriptures, you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. She knew all of that. But when she went to God, the scripture that God gave her was in Proverbs. 
It says, the Lord shall be thy confidence. They were going to put it on food there. And he shall not suffer your food to be taken. Does that look like a healing scripture? Many years ago, my wife did a program in June, and it was an open air program. In a, and I said to her, I said, rain was falling. How, how could you have attempted to do that? And I'm a pastor now. I said, well, I said, can you try to do this during rainy season, open air? She showed me the voice. They said, you remember she told me something years ago? I said, yes. She said, look at the scripture God gave me. She said, I just remembered. And she showed me somewhere in Psalms about the heavens and rains. And I wouldn't have ever thought that, but when I looked at the scripture and prayed, she, I saw inside that scripture. I said, when I saw that scripture, God told me it will rain the day before, the day after, but that time you are doing it, there shall be no rain. And when she showed me the scripture, it was the first time in my life I saw that scripture. I might have read it, but the first time I saw it. Do you get what we're saying here? So, how does the power of God come into operation? The first prayer is that that man goes to God. That's why you can't operate in faith if you don't have a walk with God. The Bible says, well, faith is not something like you do like magic. Oh, I'm in trouble now. Well, let's press this, this stuff here. All right? Faith is something that, that in fact, God can show you. And, and, all right? He can even show you and say, look, look, look. He will show you. Say, hey, hey, in six years' time, there might be something. I'll give you seeds to sow now. When you get there, nothing will happen. Are you I mean, there was a time I, I heard this doctor that was saying many years ago. He said it was an accident. They took him and they, it, was, it was somebody jumped the light, head on collision. He said he saw white. Next thing he saw himself standing outside the car. Blood. People dying. He said he called his wife and said, Listen, listen, I'm an accident head on. And she quoted the scripture they had been quoting for years. Said it was that scripture that was fulfilled here. So Jesus could have been telling them that, look, you guys, this thing you are saying here, you have planted no seed to get this kind of operation out. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So the starting point, so you want to get the engine of God and the kingdom of God, that's why, that's why the Bible says, the kingdom of God is as if a man will do what? Cast seed into the ground. Now, so the first thing is to get that seed from God. And that seed comes as a result of what? Fellowship. You go to him. It says, take the book of the Lord and read. Not one of it shall fail. It says, for my spirit has spoken, my mouth has commanded, my spirit will gather it. However, that same book in the next chapter, they took it to the leaden people. They said, read this. They said, it is sealed. We cannot see it. In other words, you go to the Holy Ghost, He removes that seal off that particular thing. You'll see what that word is saying to you. It enters into your heart. And I'm telling you, it's as small. When you look around, every other thing seems to be more powerful on the outside. But inside, when you look at that scripture, it's as a grain of mustard seed, but it's solid. You'll know on the inside of yourself that this thing is the truth. Now, if, alright, you start saying it, and then you leave it for a while, like a farmer, and goes to play. Comes back after three weeks. You'll find all kinds of things growing in the place. So like a farmer there, his focus is on his farm. He wakes up and he goes, alright, to tend what he has planted. So the power of God starts getting into motion by you now, alright, getting revelation first from God. And the key to revelation is surrender. 
Alright? Thy servant is standing, O Lord, to hear what you have to say. The wind bloweth wherever it listeth. A person can lose their job and God's plan for that person is that they are to open an office in New York or go and join a company in New York and he's calling MTN. Or call, are you following what I'm saying? So the first thing that you do there is you go to him and then he reveals his word unto you. Then with his word inside your heart, you must understand that the seed, there are possibilities beyond the human mind to conceive. Inside of that word, all right, are possibilities, events that are beyond what the human mind can conceive. And it will emerge even from the onset. Which means that things will begin to happen that your mind will not be able to explain. In other words, once you start operating like this, it begins to work in your life. What am I saying? Put up Mark 4 and 26 here. It starts working. It says the kingdom of God is as if a man will cast Mark 4.26. Alright? And that man will sleep and rise. Now, his, his sleeping and rising is that he has nothing to do with the seed springing forth. So if the kingdom of God is as if a man will cast it into the ground, the next thing he says this. And it says the next thing. Next verse. Alright? And then he will sleep and rise, and the seed shall spring forth and grow. He knoweth not how. In other words, once that seed begins to grow, things you cannot explain start happening in your life. Are you following what I'm saying here? Once you go this way, the supernatural begins to happen. Look at the next verse. It says, first, what is going to happen here, first, what we're going to have is the, is the blade, and then it says the air. Go to the next verse. It says, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of itself, first the blade, then the air, then the full corn. So what happens is that things begin to happen. So, a person gets the word, let's assume that they lost their job, they get a word from God, and they begin to speak that word into their lives. Now they start speaking that word into their lives. The earth begins to respond to the word. It's planted. Next thing, the blade comes out. What is the blade? Because God is taking you for that word to be fulfilled... He says, listen, there's a place I want you to get a job, all right, somewhere. Something comes out. What comes out? A relationship emerges. You are asked to go to the, somewhere. You go to the airport late. While you were there, you met an old friend. A conversation starts. Or, God shows you, one day you are to have a great company. This is why we shouldn't get offended. You are to have a great company. You are working somewhere. He says, all right, start planting that seed. You start planting it. The earth begins to bring it out. Your boss looks at you and says, I've got to move you. You say, well, I'm into IT. I'm into IT. He says, I want to move you to marketing. Ah, I say, I'm not doing marketing. What do I do? I can do marketing. I'm into IT. I'm into IT. I'm into marketing. But God has looked ahead and said, ah, if you're going to own this kind of company, you will need to be able to sell things. If you can't sell things, there will be no company. So go and give him some training in selling so they move you. That's why if you are not walking with the Holy Ghost in this faith walk, you will get offended when Jesus shows up. Are you following what I'm saying? You will get offended when Jesus shows up. Some of us, the blade comes out. When the blade comes out, you meet somebody, that relationship has promise. But that's, you are not supposed to put the blade under pressure. You are supposed to water the seed. 
so that it goes to the next level. You now start putting that relationship under pressure until you destroy the blade. Are you following what I'm saying? Which means doors are going to be opened up and God says, look, you've got to deal it. But you start doing that. So once you start speaking God's word, I'm not saying speaking what you think you should say. Speaking the revealed word of God out of your mouth there. Alright, it goes into the earth. It doesn't come to you back to your void. It begins to produce things. Things begin to happen in your life. If, 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 if your church is supposed to get involved in something, right? God says, alright, it's just one person. He gets that person, brings that person into church there. And, and tied up to that person, alright, might be countless amount of people. I mean, there's a chap inside a church who is very loud, behaves in certain ways, and I became very close to him. My staff is telling pastor, I said, you don't understand. I said, I've worked with God. When you meet people like this, this guy is strategic to this city. I said, I know it in my spirit. They will tell me, boy, he's there, he goes on Instagram, he does. I said, look, this guy is strategic. I've worked with God, I know strategic people. You see what will happen. One day my wife was talking to the wife, and she told me, I said, she came back and said, Pastor, you are right, who? She said, eh? You are right about what he said. He said, he said do you know, I mean, driving a Jeep is a, is a like, He said, he will pack his car. That the wife was saying is such, he will embarrass me sometimes. He will take invitation cards, 30, 40, go on the streets of Lagos, say, this church has done this to me. This church has done this to me. This church has done this to me. I told, I said, when I told you there was something in that guy. So what happens is, God begins, and that's what you do. Once you're tending that seed, Right, God begins all right to move now. Where does the prayer I'm moving some? Let does this prayer that we're talking about come in? All right, if we go back to James chapter 5, we'll see something here. The prayer of faith, which is offered up after the seed is sown, all right. Okay, so the prayer of faith is only offered up after the seed is sown, which means there's certainty concerning this prayer that we're talking about. So the man has been saying to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Alright? So I'm trying to bring you into an order that actually works. In other words, the order that produces results. It starts out by me saying that people long to have the power of God in their daily lives. The whole vision, the whole vision of the charismatic movement was in one statement. We want to take the lead of organized religion and make every individual a vessel of power. People left, alright, Orthodox churches, not because there was no organization, but because they wanted to be vessels of power. They wanted rivers of living water to flow out of their belly. They wanted to understand how they could have a living walk with God. That's the vision of the thing. And it starts out by you saying in any situation here, if I'm going to get the power of God into operation, it cannot be my will. It can only be the will of God. And somebody said, unity in a place is not created by similar, very strong statement, similarity in doctrine, but similarity in speech. For when God was going to divide humanity, he went for what they were saying. Which means if you are saying the same thing, you unite yourself with that person. Which means say the same thing as God in a situation is what unites you with God. If you are speaking another language that is different from God, then there is division. But if you are saying what God is saying, which is the meaning of confession, to say the same thing as God, as he said, God has said that I may boldly say. 
So what has God said? And therefore by that you have submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ concerning your life. Then you get it from Him. Then you start saying, and you understand, that this thing I am saying is going to come to pass. Listen, what I am saying is going to come to pass. But there is a time element in His manifestation. He that believeth shall not make haste. That I'm going to operate as a farmer who says my seed is in the ground. Right? And this is going to come forth. So the prayer of faith now comes in. And the prayer of faith is always offered after that person has spoken words. Now let's see this here. Go to James chapter 5 again and verse 7. Let's look at what he says here. James 5 and verse 7. Be patient therefore until the coming of the Lord. Behold the husbandman or the farmer that waited for the precious fruit of the earth. And that's what is going to come out of this earth. Precious fruit. Have long patience for it, alright, until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now there are two types of rain. There's what you call the former rain. That precedes planting. And then you have the latter rain that produces the harvest. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, quickly, could you help me put, let me show you what we've been saying here. Help me put... Um, um, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 3. This is what is called the former rain. So when you come to church and you listen to Deuteronomy 32 and verse 3, and you listen to preacher, that's the former rain, which means the former rain, when it rains first, when it says this is the first rain, planting season is about to start. Sorry, let me just, let me just check it. Deuteronomy 32 and verse And it says, my doctrine shall be as due. Verse 2, oh, sorry. Deuteronomy 22. Oh, sorry, sorry, verse 2. It's verse 2. Alright. It says, my doctrine, verse 2. Deuteronomy 32, verse 2. It says, my doctrine shall be as the what? As the rain. It shall be as my speech shall disturb you, as the smaller rain and as showers upon the grass. So, this doctrine, which means you hear the teaching, alright, they teach you on, let's say, healing, and he's telling you now they've watered the ground, alright, that's the first rain there. You can go and plant your seed. So, you get the teaching there, and based on the teaching that you've heard, so the ministers preached. Alright, it's okay, I've, I've gotten what they're saying. For example, now, I preach now, but I didn't give you the seed you are going to sow. Are you following what I'm saying? It's God that ministers seed to the sower. I can't give you the seed you are going to sow. I can water so that you now know, let me go and look for what to plant. Are you following what I'm saying? So you now go to God and say, okay, I now get it now. And then you go to Him. And then you get. So he, the husbandman understands there are two seasons. First rain, then the second rain. Now, let's go back to Hebrews 5 and verse, and let's go on to verse 8. 5 and 8. Quickly, James, sorry. James 5 and 8. So let me say this here. When you get a rema from God, you always know something you are not told by any man. Jesus, nobody can teach better than Jesus. When Peter came with a rema, he said, flesh and blood had not revealed this. It is my Father who is in heaven. Me, myself, didn't show you this. It is the Father that showed you. Yeah. 
He said, upon this shall I build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's the revelation of God's righteousness. So he tells us they are going about to establish their own righteousness, but have not submitted themselves to his own righteousness. In other words, God has his program. Submit yourself to that instead of running after your own program. Right? Then he now goes on. Alright? Remember it talks about, it shall receive the early and latter rain. Now what James was talking about here was the prayer of faith. How do we know this? If you go right down, it tells us in verse, in verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And then he goes and tells us, Elijah in verse 17 was a man as like passion in that same chapter. He prayed in that it might not rain, and it rained not for six months, or three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her what? Fruit. In other words, he prayed again, but before Elijah prayed, Elijah said, I have heard the sound of the abundance of rain. So the prayer of faith is offered up to cause the will of God you know to come to pass. So you start by planting that seed which is God's will and you are saying it. Then you go up to God in prayer believing you have received that particular thing and you start praying. Now what that prayer does is that it brings further revelation to you concerning that same thing. So, more revelation begins to come from the scriptures. Because the path of the just is as a light that shineth brighter and brighter. He says, take heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns. In other words, the initial revelation is not enough. The revelation begins to grow. And it's this kind of prayer that begins to bring an increase in that revelation. Without that increase in revelation, what is going to happen is that you are going to start out walking and then after some time that revelation can sustain the pressure that is coming. Your eyes are going to go and you lose your peace. So you go up to God and more revelation. You look at the scriptures and more revelation begins to come. More revelation begins to come. Little Yoman the Asta said, you had this, you had the word of God. They said, why couldn't you get up and walk? Why couldn't you just get up and, and be healed? And this is what Charles Price kept teaching about faith. He said, listen, faith is always gives birth to an action, but actions don't give birth to faith. Now listen, what we're saying is, if somebody is seated in the wheelchair, and the person sees a scripture, and that person hasn't gotten up, is because that person is not fully persuaded. If that person keeps receiving light and light and light, one day that person is going to just say, I am healed, and get up, and the person will be healed. That you don't tell the person to get up without being fully persuaded. Keep putting the same thing in the light. When the intensity gets to one point, the day will dawn and you just get up. So if we open up ourselves, that's why Paul was saying, come to the throne of grace. That man, you open up yourself, right? More revelation comes. As more revelation comes, you stay in the place of peace. Your mind is on the word of God. You are in that place of peace. Alright? Yeah, as, as, as Joshua, they said, how are we going to pass the Jordan? He said, enter into it, but stand still. Once there's quietness and stillness, miracles will occur. Which means you are there, you are looking at it, your mind is flooded with peace. Right there. Because the revelation is increasing, the revelation is increasing, the revelation is increasing. Which means that that seed stays there, you are in that place of peace there. Then the third thing is joy. And what does joy do for you? Right? If we put Psalm 67 and verse 5. These are the three things in the kingdom. First, righteousness. Then peace. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let the people praise thee. It says, Then shall the earth do what? Yield thy increase. And God, even our own God, shall do what? Bless us. So when is the increase going to start coming? When does the earth start producing things? 
when you start praising God. So you get revelation from God's word, you are in a place of peace, then spend time rejoicing. Let me tell you what happened. As you are rejoicing, you will be surprised at how well you are worshipping God. At how undisturbed you are. That you are rejoicing in the fulfillment of something that hasn't happened, but you are, you are so persuaded it has happened. Are you following what I'm saying here? You will be surprised at the state of your heart. The measure of advancement you have made in spiritual things. You, when you start singing, and it says when you do that, it says then the earth will yield its increase. Then your praise there. And the rejoicing now begins to cause that word. That's what begins to cause things to happen. But there's one other thing that it does for you as a person. When you start rejoicing, your eyes start getting opened up. Now, remember Jesus, when people were rejoicing, the Pharisees came and said, tell your disciples to stop rejoicing. He said, look, if these guys stop rejoicing, the stones will immediately cry out. Ah, then he looked at them and said, Jerusalem. He said, the things that make for your peace, that word peace, prosperity, are hidden from your eyes. He said, now shall the enemy build a trench around you. Somewhere else, he said, God, you have hidden this, I thank you, from the wise and the prudent, but you've revealed it to the babes. He said, he said for out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. When you begin to rejoice, what even the wise and the prudent can see, you will start doing what? Seeing it. In other words, there will be another form of wisdom which is called practical insight that will start coming to you. So, a person who is rejoicing in the revelation of God's word, which is revelation of eternal things, and he's rejoicing in it, rejoicing in fulfillment, God starts opening his eyes. It shows him, you want to build this business? And the business has stagnated, it shows him. Can you look at this part? You look at it. And the minute you look at it, one, two, three, four, you see something that even a consultant, if he came into that business, will not see it. He says, change that. You change that. You see something happen. Change that. You change that. Remember he tells us in Isaiah 52, he said, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be extolled and exalted. In other words, is by dealing what? Prudently there. So God begins to open up your eyes to another, that form of wisdom is the ability to connect dots. So you understand that right, and you'll find that when you start practicing this, I'm telling you this, everything that you needed to make progress is right beside you, you just didn't see it. The people that you need are right beside you, you just haven't recognized who they are. Once you start praising God, your eyes start getting opened. You see that, ah, I might even have just 20 people, but if I arrange these people this way, I leverage their strength this way, this thing is going to multiply. You look at five loaves and two pieces of fish, and you see it differently. Are you following what I'm saying here? You, you have remarkable insights into the affairs of life. It's not like a dollar, alright, that, that just God's favored. It's that you have insight into things. That they put you down in an office, you sit down there, and, and the Bible says, what kings will say, what have not, have not been told them, shall they behold? In other words, men in authority will look at it and say, how did you know that we should do this? And it has come as a result of you planting the word of God, and then you rejoicing in the fulfillment of that word, and practical insight into the dealings of life begin to come. If you look at what Moses prayed for, sorry, um, Solomon, he prayed for two kinds of wisdom. He said, give me wisdom and give me understanding. 
If you look at what Paul prayed, fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. They ask for two things. The knowledge of eternal things, which is what we've said here, but also practical insight into the affairs of life. In other words, two women came to meet Solomon and said to Solomon, listen, I own the baby, I own the baby. There was no DNA. Nobody in the world can ever denounce this. That this must have been deep insight into humanity. And he stayed there and said, I will tell you without any DNA test how to find out who the mother is. They said, how? Give me the child. You could see sense of judgment there. The Bible says the wilderness will be converted into a fruitful view because judgment will reside in the wilderness. In order, sound decision making will change any organization. And that kind of insight comes as you start praising. This is what it produces here. Start praising God. Are you following me? I mean, I read something on, on Facebook. I laughed. A man was on Facebook dating all kinds of women. All right, just read this. And chasing all kinds of somebody just chasing all kinds of women. And the wife found out. Now, now, there are many ways in which you can handle it. You can go and slap him and the whole marriage will scatter. Are you following? There are many ways you can do it. But she went and said, I know exactly what I will do. So she too joined Facebook and put a photograph of a beautiful woman and they became friends. And then she now said to the man, well, I just want you to know that you've been chasing my wife. And then, of course, being his own wife, told him that, listen, I have close links to this organization and they are coming for you. Because she knew him, said, this is your father's name, this is where your mother lives, this is school you went to, this is where your roommates, everything. <laughs> and she was by the husband and she was reading it on the laptop and was saying, Ele, 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 what's going on? Ele, Ele. And next thing he did, he went off Facebook for life, told the wife, I'm going off WhatsApp, told everything, and she was there laughing. God said, and he said, holding and said, listen, I've seen that. And she solved the problem. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? God gave her what? Practical what? Inside on how to do it. Now she could have been there shouting, I'm telling you, you're a madman. The whole neighbors will know. Everybody, in fact, the name of Jesus will brought to destroy because she don't have practical insight. Solomon came and said, let me show you who the owner of the child is. Put the child, give me a knife. Who will ever have thought about this? Bring down the knife. Can you imagine, I mean, when Jacob was in Laban's house, it, listen, those things did not multiply because Jacob just was a covenant man. Jacob had insight on how to take care of animals. Go and read the account. When he got there and they came to the well, first thing, what they would do is that everybody would come to the well and be gisting. And when they start gisting, they would say, what are you doing? They say, we're waiting for the other people to bring their cattle. Jacob said, this is the best time to graze. Why are you wasting time here? He says, what you should do is, anybody that comes, drink and go. He told them the best time for cattle. He showed them there. They said, no, this is how we have been doing it. So jo Jacob had insight. When Joseph, when the Bible says he sold in that land, he wasn't talking about financial something. He sold in that land and there was famine. What he was saying now, anytime there's famine is when the heavens are short. If there is no rain somewhere, there is famine. So what Jacob, Isaac did was that Isaac found another source of water outside rain. He went into the ground, brought water out, created irrigation, and everybody said, how did you get this? It was practical insight to life. And the Jews and Israelites are still using that irrigation system today to become the most powerful agricultural nation in a desert. Are you following what I'm saying here? In other words, he starts giving you practical insight. 
you operate at a level of intelligence. And let me tell you this thing. The, the, the intelligence you have, you are not even conscious of it. So that you don't get into pride. These thoughts come to you as easy as you just drinking water. You are not impressed by it. It's when you release it that people say, hey, hold it. It's like Moses that came down and he was glowing and he didn't even know. Which means that your thoughts are so deep, but you don't even know you are that intelligent because they came to you as it were on the cheap. It wasn't hard. It's the boss that I said, how did you know about this and how did you know about that? Are you from there? You sit down there and you, you, you're just listening to something that God shows you. That you see that issue there? Do it like this. I just merge that together. Merge this together. And then you come out and say, all right, this is how we're going to do it. And you do that and it works. Now, when you begin to praise, that's what he's saying. He says, he says, the wise and the prudent won't have access to it. You begin it and these thoughts just come to you. It just comes to you. You take the data that you have, you look at it, and you just come to the conclusion that this is exactly. Let me tell you, and I'll close with this. Somebody in church, in our church here, it used to be in my fellowship on council. I know him. It's not someone I've known for years, right, for 30 years. He, we met somewhere. We don't want to see, but we just couldn't get because he keeps traveling. So we met one day abroad, and we sat down in the airport, so we had time. I'm saying one thing here. So I said, so what do you do now? He's an architect. That's what he's called. And he was working at an architectural firm. He said his friend, very good friend, used to be prayer partners, came to meet him and said, there's an opening for them to do kind of like oil. So they... His father used to be in Shell before he died. So he said, we want to use your father's contacts. He said, no problem. And he, he was still doing his architecture. He wasn't in, in America. No, he wasn't. Blah, blah, blah. So the guy kept telling him, ah, let's go to Nigeria. Now look, there's opportunity. Well, to cut the long story short, he decided to come to Nigeria. And I said, how did you get into the oil business? Now, last year, their company discovered the largest oil well in the world, which means the one with the largest amount of oil was what they discovered in Nigeria last year. I'm not saying in Nigeria, in the world. Whether Saudi, Iraq, Iran, the largest discovery. And I said, how did you get it? He said to me, Pastor, we are not geologists. We are not oil people. I'm an architect, this other guy. He said, but we looked at the map. My friend looked at the map of the flow of oil in Nigeria and said, something is wrong. He said, what do you mean? He said, isn't this thing like a river? How can oil be flowing from Niger Delta stop here? And then they discover it in Ghana. Where it doesn't break. Liquid doesn't break like this. He said something is wrong here. People had oil blocks there that they were selling. He said, there must be oil here. He said, then they hired geologists. They had investors who invested millions of dollars. The geologists said, come, come. They called them, said what? said, look at this thing. Is it possible? Those guys stayed with it and said it's not possible. You are right. Wise and prudent in seed. I know the men. They told me the men who owned the blocks. They sold 40% of it. Because they didn't think there was anything there. That they got the wrong blocks. They said there is oil. So they went and bought 40%. was willing to sell. He sold it off. They started dreaming. The guys put in $5 million. They said you are wasting. They said hold it. There is something here. When they hit it. I'm saying there's revelation which is called Sophia. There's practical insight into life. I'm telling you how to convert revelation from the scriptures to practical insights. 
that each Hezekiah you are told 15 years has been added, but the method is go and boil things. Place it on yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, this is the promise. You shall break forth on the left and on the right. But the actual, do you know where the office is? Where the exact office should be? Do you know who you should hire? Praise delivers that kind of insight. When you combine confession of God's word, you hear what I'm saying? Not confession of what you think should happen. Once you start confessing what you think, you have missed God. That is called divination. You start confessing, you mix it with praise. Right? What happens is the earth begins to yield. Let me tell you this. Any, look, if you have 10, inside 10 is a thousand. You just know how to know what to do with the 10. Inside 100 is a million. You just, know, have, to, you just have to know what to do with it. They gave Jesus five loaves. They said, what is this among so many? He said, bring it. There is something I will do with this that will feed everybody here and abundance. And the Holy Ghost on the inside, all right, when they said not by power, by might, they said, what are these seven candles? He said, it's the seven eyes of the Spirit, which means the Holy Ghost can see in seven dimensions in you. They present data in the office, you look at it, you, are, you don't even think, this is impressive thing, you don't even think you are being brilliant. It's obvious to you. You are saying, why, why can't you people see this thing? Can't you see it? Can't you see it? All right, let me go to this two scriptures. I forgot to call this two scriptures. Put up Hebrews chapter 11. This is where the faith has to get into. In other words, the man there who is building the business, listen to me, his business did not grow because God just made it grow even though he was as daft and as dull as anybody could possibly be. No. God by his grace caused that man's intelligence to go to the highest level so that he was the most qualified to get it. But he got most qualified by unmerited favor. Not that he was the worst performer and then unmerited favor made him get it. Do you get what I'm saying here? Joseph became prime minister not because he was empty-headed, because he was the only person that could solve the problem. Daniel became who he was because the king said, I have heard that there is an excellent spirit. The, the other magician said, there is nobody. This thing you are asking us to do, you have to be in the spirit as a God. Nobody in flesh has this information. He said, we know how to get that kind of information. So grace comes in, you become a partaker of the divine nature of God, manifesting that. Are you following what I'm saying? And so you walk into a business. You understand it? Someone said, my business is going, why is your own growing? I just come now, just come. Say, all right, change this, change this here, change that, change this here. And someone said, all right, change the color of that place. Friends said, what do you mean change the color? Change that color. This color you are doing is repulsive to the human spirit. Say, how do you know? Say, I'm telling you. The person changes the color. Next day, 10 people walk in. Say, what happened? Say, we have seen this for the first time. Say, didn't I tell you? Because for God to have created different colors, they all mean something to God. So we are not just talking about somebody who just quoting scriptures. We are talking about somebody who has converted, who has mixed it. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Who knows how to mix it and the profit is appearing. That's why I said, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? We have spent money on things, low impact things. There is something God showed me. Hundred dollars will impact this nation. All I need, I have everything to do it. All I just need to pay is one hundred US dollars. Fresh idea. And it is obvious, but it's obvious to the seers. But it's closed. Are you following me? Which means that's the way that 
it's a babe, it's a baby, it's to the man praising, it's not about how intellectual, alright, so, let's see this quickly, let me just close here, Hebrews 11 here, and verse, and verse 13, look at what it says here, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, having seen them afar off, they were persuaded, embraced them, confessed, they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, now next verse, it says, for they which say such things, declare plainly that they seek a country, in other words, when you start saying certain things, you are declaring plainly that you are seeking a country. Now, Hebrews 13 and verse 14, it says this, So they that say those things declare plainly that they seek. Now look at this, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Which means, how are we seeking by saying certain things? Now next verse, it says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise. He says, because we have no continuity and we are seeking one to come, the way to appropriate what we are seeking is to offer the sacrifice of praise. And once we'll start offering the sacrifice of praise, then what happens is, alright, you start getting, alright, powerful, you start, alright, saying things. Powerful things, you begin to see. Alright, you start saying powerful things. You start saying powerful things. Alright? Start seeing power. I mean, what, I'm just because they're doing Wavbeck where they asked them, I, I, said, I said, I hope Nigerian politicians heard this thing. I hope young politicians understood this thing. How, how to get into, get into power. He just, they just asked me, he said, I asked a question about politics. He said, well, I, don't, I can't interfere in Nigerian politics because I don't know what goes on. But in America, he said something. He said, the way to power is that you get into the system and help other people into office. Once you help them into office, they, when it's your turn, they will turn to you and say, it's your, and you get it. So that's how you get elected. You don't get elected by trying to get elected. You get elected by entering and helping other people get elected. And when I thought about it, I said that's the way the vice president got it. The way he got it, I'm telling you this, that he was called at a particular point and told that we don't want to set our eyes on you again if you don't find out how all these states that we lost, legally we can get them back. You are the one with the legal brain to do it. And he went to England, got forensic lawyers, did everything. Made sure all of some strategic governors, they went to the case, fought the case, and they all got elected. So he was the one that helped the governors become governors. Whether it was Ogun State Governor or Shu State. So when they said, it's now time to pick the vice president. Of course, all of you that became governors, you, you, are you from Tenya? And they mentioned his name, they said, alright, you can go. Because you helped us to office, they will lift you higher. That's the way it works. The minute he said, I just looked and I saw. So you can just hear a conversation and you just see how it happened. I don't say. You just see how it happened. In fact, I want to speak to you about God showed me something. He said, we are the salt of the earth. You know, if you mix salt into something, you don't see the salt. If you put salt in the stew, you don't see the salt. But the influence of the salt is there. Christians are looking for visible position. That's our problem. Influence is hidden. The strategic positions we should go for. And I heard K. Butler say, he said, you don't need the office of the president. You need the office of the person who can speak into the air of the president. Some senior special advisors are more powerful. You will not believe they are the last people to see the president and tell him what to do. You don't need to spend money to become senior special advisor. Are you following what I'm saying here? You don't even need to be elected. You don't need to campaign. Are you understand this? You don't need to corrupt yourself. Don't forget what God said. 
He said, wherever the soles of your feet tread, there have I given. The question is for us to enter through the door. We can enter there as advisor, but once our foot is there, are <laughs> you understanding? The problem with us is that we want to come in as chairman, the door is locked. I've told you, how do you know there's salt somewhere? It's where you eat, taste it. You don't see the salt. You don't see it. I have a message God showed me many years ago. He said, I have always the most powerful portion on the earth. It's not the person who sits on the throne. It's the person who sits next to the person on the throne. He said, that's why when I was raising Jesus, I raised him to my right hand. He said, that's why when you look at the, literally, when you look at the influencers in the covenant, Joseph was not sitting on the throne. He was sitting next to the throne. Daniel was not sitting on the throne. He was sitting next to the throne. We keep going for the throne. It's not the throne that counts. It's next to the throne that counts. By that you don't get the heat. Nobody pushes pressure on you. Nobody's attacking you. But you are influencing everything. Are you following what I'm saying? This is what I'm trying to tell you. That when we begin to worship God. He shows us the secrets of the hidden places of the earth. The treasures of darkness he shows us. That guys, this is how you play the game. You will not be soiled. You will not be tainted. Are you following what I'm saying? Nobody will tell you to bow down to any idol. Nobody will tell you to sacrifice anywhere. Because they feel who are you. You are just this. But you understand influence. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to get strategic. All these emotional outbursts, uh, rush, rush, it, it, calm down. You will get impossible things done. If you follow the process, it's not spectacular, it's spiritual. It's not loud, it's silent. But the effect of it is unprecedented. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message from our annual conference, Sing Great Grace. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Twin Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m., while our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.